Hey, what's up, everybody? You know, this is another interview for me that's going to be going down memory lane. Uh, it's pretty cool for me. It's nostalgic as I talk to a former Boise State basketball player who also played professionally. Uh, he had stints all over the professional world, but with the stampede here locally um, in Idaho, not only as a player, but as a coach. And so he has a lot of amazing stories that are going to dive deeper into his journey, right? So he played basketball at Boise State during the era that I just absolutely loved. It was when I was in elementary school going into middle school, and I went to a lot of Boise State basketball games back then. And then I never really knew what happened afterwards. Um, I've, I've seen him. I've connected with him. Uh, but I never knew what happened to his career afterwards. And today I get to hear so many stories and I get to share that with you guys here on the podcast. But I want to also, before we get started, give a shout out to the sponsor of today's episode. This wouldn't be possible without them. And that is Summit Legal Consulting. So please listen up as I share a little bit about today's sponsor. So Summit Legal Consulting works with business founders and they help them from setup to exit. Just in the last five years, they've helped founders complete over $1 billion in acquisitions and exits. Um, I know the owner of Summit Legal Consulting. Uh, he, he's a he's a great guy. He knows what he's doing. He's extremely intelligent. And if you're a business owner that could utilize his services, I'd highly recommend it. Not just because he's helping me on the show by sponsoring the podcast, but because he knows what he's doing. Um, I've seen him at work. I believe in what he does. He's not a scumbag. The dude actually does help people out. So I would highly encourage you guys, if you're a business owner and can utilize the services, to reach out. Now, he doesn't just take on everybody. He doesn't have a ton of room for that. However, if you want to find out more, you can go to www.summitlegalconsulting.com or you can email him directly, addison at summitlegalconsulting.com. I'll put that in the description of the podcast. And if you if you do end up hitting him up in an email, make sure to mention the Game Time Guru is where you heard about him so you can get an inside track to an application to be a client. All right, so major shout out to Summit Legal Consulting. I've greatly appreciated them sponsoring the podcast and being willing to support me on this journey. I hope you guys enjoy this one. It's going to be a really, really cool episode as we talk to Justin Lyons here on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's going on, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. Excited to be here with you guys for another interview, another uh, exciting interview, six and a half years running into the show, and every interview I get excited for just to learn more from our guests. Um, this individual in particular, as you guys heard in the introduction, um, somebody that I've known of for a while, and I've kind of met him personally a little bit more in the last year and a half, year year or so, um, through just basketball and so forth. But it's kind of cool now I get to bring him on and and, and hear some of the stories from, I'm sure it's going to be from my youth, uh, stuff that I get to hear about now that I it kind of is nostalgic for me. So I'm really <clears> excited <throat> to be bringing on Justin Lyons. Justin, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's almost like we're, it was meant to be the Game Time Guru, and I'm with Game Time Academy. It just kind of worked out perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> so we're going to get into that and kind of learn about Game Time Academy in here in just a little bit. But I, one thing I was about to mention to you anyway, like on Instagram, was when you guys came out with the logo, 
like I have a logo of game time guru that was very similar back in about 2018, I think is when I had it made. It was like a GT and then like the, the other G was like backwards. So it's like, it's almost the exact right. same thing as that with an extra G on there. Right. Um, so funny. I was like, Oh dang, dude, it's like very similar. Um, yeah. Super cool. But it was, yeah, it was meant to be. So Justin, I want to rewind the clock a little bit. We're going to, we're going to learn about your experience, you know, as a Hooper, as a coach, and now like as a trainer and kind of see how it all, you know, goes together, learn some of the, the things that you have um, experienced throughout your time and the Absolutely. life lessons that you've learned and all that. So I'm excited for it, man. Um, and I want to give a shout out to my friend, Carl Wilson. Uh, Carl's my dog and he's, he's always been yeah. very supportive of you. That's and my little um, brother right there. Yeah. He yeah. always tells me, he's always been telling me like, I need to get in contact with you. So I got to give out a shout out to Carl uh, for, for all the support and just always shouting you out and everything. Cause he, he knows his thing too. So yeah, Carl, Carl's great, <laughs> great, great human being. I've known his family for a long time and uh, he's, he's the assistant over at, at Bishop Kelly right now for the boys team. And, and he's, he's doing an excellent job over there with Pachi. So, so excited to see him doing, doing well. He used to come to our games when, when he was a, a teenager and then he just, kept coming, kept coming. And then we just ah, come to open gym, come check it out. And it's just ever since it's just like literally since the, since the nineties. So, so Carl, Carl has always been uh, good to us, uh, especially uh, not just myself, but uh, uh, Berto and, and, and everybody else that was kind of like in that little, little era in the, in the late nineties there. So it was pretty cool. So cool, man. Yeah. Shout out to Carl. Uh, going back in time to the Boise State days, Justin. That's kind of where I wanted to start with. Well, we'll probably will rewind the clock a little bit more too. Um, okay. That's where I that's where I actually knew of you first. Um, that was my fourth and fifth and sixth grade days of always going to the pavilion, always checking out the games. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was it was rocking there, rocking. like rocking. And I, I remember yeah. your name. I don't know if it was KJ Mack. I can't remember if that was who it was who would do the announcements, but man, like I remember your name vividly in my head. It was like, Justin Lions, Lions, Lions. Yeah, like KJ. Yeah. yeah, man. I had a chance to catch up with him when I, when, when I got back, I went to a couple of games and he, he looks at, he pretty much looks the same. So, so <laughs> shout, out, shout out to KJ. And he always put like a little extra hot sauce on it when I, when I do something nice or, or whatever. So, so he was always good. He was always good. He, one okay. one quick story is is I was I used to get there before everybody else to shoot and like the dance team would be out there and, and whatnot and so I, I go and grab the microphone because the, there was like a young a young lady that was going to sing the national anthem that one night and KJ's there getting prepped and and everything else and I don't know if you remember our sports information director uh, Brad Larondo but he's you know we all were you know pretty tight and so I grab the microphone and I start singing. Uh, uh, the the song uh i believe i can fly and for some reason like it was like the peak of my singing career ever it sounded awesome in the pavilion i only sang like three lines and they're like oh you got to do it. i'm like no 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 kj kj was laughing he's like come on like egging me on egging me on i was like it's never gonna happen i'm terrible at anything musical so yeah Oh man, that's no, I, it obviously wasn't terrible though. Cause if, if it was terrible, wanted, I mean, I'm singing <laughs> is not my thing. Let's, <laughs> hey, we all, we, I live in a musical at my house and I can't sing worth a darn. Just ask my wife, <laughs> it's the most annoying thing in the world. So yeah. I think my music, I think my singing is beautiful. My wife thinks it's absolutely horrendous. So, um, yeah. man, it's crazy. Those days were great. I'm going to get into those, but I kind of want to talk. I never knew like where you came from or anything of that nature. I just knew you from Boise State. So, yeah. Justin, when did you first pick up a basketball? And at what point in your in your career did you know that you could play at the Division One level? 
Um, <clears throat> so I probably started playing like everybody else, just shooting. You know, we had we had a hoop that we like basically screwed into the shingles on a, on the roof. You know, and so that's it's probably like only a nine foot rim or whatever. And and it was in the driveway. And we just every every Christmas we'd get a basketball, football and a mitt. And whatever the season was, we play. But, you know, a basketball, we always kind of like gravitated to because you don't you don't really need anybody else to play basketball. You can just have a ball in the hoop and you're good. And, you know, it really can work on it. And so right around then, and, and I, I grew up, my favorite my favorite team was the Los Angeles Lakers, still is. My favorite player was Magic Johnson, still is. And so I would always watch, you know, Magic, and, you know, he's this tall point guard. And I was always a little kid growing up, but I always thought to myself, I'm like, well, I can do that. I can get into the lane and pass it to people and let them score. I that's not a problem. I, I, can, I can do at least that part of it. And so that was like, I would always just, you know, in, in my head, like I, you see Magic Johnson, you know, he does a little fake behind the back and then over here to, to, to Worthy on the break. And it's like, oh, that's, you know, that's what makes you fall in love with, with the game is that sort of thing. And so, so right about that point is, is when I started picking up a basketball and, and playing and, and uh, you know, we didn't have youth basketball. We didn't have club basketball. We didn't have anything like that. It was, let's go to the park and, you know, try to get picked up and whatever happens. And, I think I realized I could play division one probably. I mean, I always believed that I was going to go to college to play basketball, but I was a sophomore in high school and I was at the end of my sophomore year, I was five foot eight, five foot nine. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, my junior year, I showed up to football practice and in one summer, about two months, now I'm six, almost six, six. And so, you know, I show up to football practice and everybody's like, who's this new kid that's so tall? And I'm like, no, it's me. It's Justin. I'm here. You know, so I so so I grew really, really tall in that in that one summer. Now, what's funny is every day I'd go to the cafeteria at lunch. You have to walk up a hill to get to the cafeteria. And I would pray every single day. God, please just get me to six, six. I'll take care of the rest. Please get me to six, six. I'll take care of the rest. And that's a true story. I would do it every single time. So then, you know, I grow. Uh, and because when I was a baby, the doctors told my mom, Hey, you're, he's going to be like six, 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 seven. And my mom back in the seventies, like, Oh my God, that's, that's crazy. Like, you know, like kid, people weren't that tall back in the day, like a lot of them. So I, my mom tells me this and I'm like, waiting, 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 waiting to like get tall. Finally, I hit my little growth spurt. And, uh, once I, once I grew and I was able, and I was always a point guard growing up, once I was, once I grew and I was able to, to play, you know, basically that was, that was it. Once I, once I got to that height, I was like, okay, well, I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I know I'm going to end up somewhere because it was pretty athletic. Uh, I, I could, I mean, I could shoot and make threes, but you know, like, only like when like I absolutely had to. Otherwise, I was just like always going to the hole trying to drop it off. Just like, you know, I tried to play like magic. And yeah. one of my coaches at Boise State, Ed Boyce, who, you know, founded Hoop Dreams and was an assistant there with with Sham and, and Coach Jay and stuff. He 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 nicknamed me White Magic, which which really frustrated Coach Jay because he hated all the no look passes and everything in practice, you know, because like sometimes they're awesome. And but sometimes they're like seventh row. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that's that's funny. It's um crazy you grew that much. I think the only other person yeah. I've 
heard of that had that kind of a growth spurt with it was Anthony Davis. And it was about the same time frame. It was like a sophomore going in his junior yeah. year or something and yeah. played guard his whole life. And that's kind of why Anthony Davis has always been more of a skilled big man, so to speak, because he yeah, just kind of has a different touch. Yeah. He has, he has that, he has basic, he has, he has perimeter skills, but he, he moves, he moved those perimeter skills closer to the basket. So from, you know, 15, he, he can, catch turn and face 15 feet and you know he's pretty he's pretty much on stock he's i don't think there's a lot of people that are able to stop him the only person that's going to stop ad is ad so yeah yeah for sure well with that being said i guess when you 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 hit your growth spread then justin i'm i'm curious if uh if that was an adjustment for you like basketball you probably are playing a new position though yeah your skill set's the same but are you put there are they putting you in the post and the reason i asked this question is because when i interviewed jerry stackhouse on my show Mm-hmm. But a lot of people didn't know about Stack just following his career, unless you actually were well involved with what he was doing. Is mm-hmm. he played the four and the three in in college? He never really played outside in the perimeter, mm-hmm. but because he was an undersized four, right. he was about six, 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 seven. And then in the pros, they actually put him at the two. And right. so when Stack got into the pros, he he played the two guard, and he said that was the hardest adjustment ever. Everyone was expecting him to be playing at that elite level that he was in college, but he was learning a completely new position. He was not fast around it. He was used to having his back to the basket, not facing up from the perimeter mm-hmm. and it was a whole adjustment he was guarding guys like reggie miller alan houston he was naming off right. all these dudes and i'm like whoa yeah that would be an adjustment so yeah. i'm wondering for you like was there an adjustment just the height difference putting you into a new ro- role did that take any adjusting or were you like hey like kind of like what you said about ad like taking your perimeter skills and putting them close to the basket yeah um so the the answer to that is no i wasn't forced to go go into the block um when i was when I was that age, because I had already been playing guard. And so my, co- my coach was, he, he, he was, I was, I'm, I was thankful for him that, that he didn't do that, but it just so happened that year, we also had some other tall guys on the team. So we had two guys, six foot six, we had a, like six, five guy. And so I was the point guard or shooting guard was six foot two. And so we were like, I mean, like we were a really, really tall team. And uh, you know, so our, our coach, essentially said hey you know you just you go get every rebound and you can you can lead the break otherwise we you know back in the back in the day you had to like walk the ball up and all that other stuff yeah and and i just wanted to get the ball and go so and actually my we were in a tournament one time in high school and we're playing against a team that won state the year before and uh that year before that we played them uh, they they beat us by a hundred points, a legit hundred points, like one twenty one to twenty one. I wasn't I wasn't on the team at that time because uh, I had just I had just transferred in, um, and so we're at halftime and we're getting beat by like fifteen. And coach is going crazy and he's like, oh, you guys think you you, you know everything? Uh, you know how coaches get they get all crazy, and uh, and and then he <laughs> and then he said, you know what? I'm not going to coach you guys. You guys figure it out on your own. So we. We go out and we get the layup line going, and he's like sitting in like the third or fourth ra- uh, uh, row. And so, you know, I've always kind of been like the outspoken person. I've always kind of like really gravitated towards the leadership, uh, you know, type of type of deal on teams. And so I was like, cool. So I get everybody together. I'm like, hey, listen, we're not running any plays. All we're doing just rebound and go, rebound and go. So. We're up by 15 after the third quarter. And then all of a sudden, coach is like on the bench, creeping down. He's not saying anything. He's just doing the clap and everything. And we're calling our own timeouts and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, 
they kind of came back and you know high school like we just got a bunch of teenage kids sometimes they just we just lose our mind and so uh he uh he, then he started coaching we and we ended up we ended up winning the game kind of in spectacular fashion so but it was it was it was a real blessing that i had coaches like that all the way through where where they allowed me they allowed me to do that now when i got to boise state they i i was a forward so you know yeah yeah that's a cool story though that's yeah it was crazy it was, it was crazy. That's a learning opportunity yeah it could have gone south too if you don't have the right leadership like yourself out there because that could have gone yeah yeah i would have got stuck in the block i was really athletic so i i as a as a coach now i would i would try to probably do you know add both you know get like the ad situation that we talked about earlier i would i would probably try to do that with myself but I just got I just got lucky and just you know a lot of timing is everything type of situation you know you end up on a team with a bunch of tall guys you don't necessarily have to be in the block so yeah for sure for sure you know when you got to Boise State that was during an era where BSU was rocking dude like we said earlier like that was I mean it, it's hard to explain it to some people who don't fully understand it because that was before their football program really took off. So Boise State was a basketball school. Like, I mean, that's where we're, uh, everybody in the Valley, I mean, if it was a Wednesday night game, we would be there. Or a Thursday we're night the, game, we'd be there. We're like, the only show in town. There's no, you know, there's like 17 cable channels, you know, like two local channels. There's no internet. There's no nothing. And so, you know, the the the, the people in, in Boise, they, they, you know, they support, support the Broncos like big time. But yeah, at that point, like we were pretty much the show in town. We had we had had some success in the past, um, you know, going to the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, like uh, Shambrick's last two years in 93, 94. Uh, so, you know, we're there, you know, and I got there in 96. So we're just trying to like, you know, build it up. Coach Coach Dye ends up, you know, uh, retiring and, move, and moving on and Coach Jay took over. But yeah, it was people, some people, they just don't get it. It's like somehow they would fit 14,000 something people in there and, and when you get the people in the third deck screaming down, because it's just basically the sound is just pouring down on top of you. And it would it was awesome. It was it was an excellent, excellent college experience for me. I I, I loved it. I love playing in, in the pavilion. I know they call it Extra Mile and Taco Bell and all this other it's stuff. The pavilion, it's always going to be the pavilion. Always. It's the pavilion, bro. Like, um, I, I am curious, you know, you played alongside some great players. I mean, obviously Roberto is one of the, the top names just because of what had happened, but you guys were all super talented. I mean, Kiwan Woods was amazing. I'm just like, I mean, Jerry was there, you know, yeah. uh, Jerry Washington, Joe Wyatt, Joe, Joe Wyatt came, came, came from a junior college in LA. He, he led the city of Los Angeles in scoring his senior year and like city of Los Angeles, that's including a lot of players. And so you definitely got to be good that way. But yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was a blessing playing, playing with Kiwan. He was, he came from Crossroads, played with Baron Davis. And so he's highly touted and everything. And, and, you know, you got Berto who went to started, started at Washington and then transferred in when, when coach Boyce came and, and uh, uh, you know, it's just, it was just kind of a culmination of we ended up getting a bunch of people and 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 we had some talent definitely but what really happened is is it was almost like an incubator for people who just were ultra passionate about basketball ultra passionate about working hard um and 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 just trying to do the right thing when it came to basketball and it, and that incubator has actually grown and so like out of 
that little era of five, six years or seven years or, or whatever, we've had a bunch of guys have success as players come out of Boise State. But then there's a lot of people that have had a lot of success in coaching coming out of Boise State. It's it's really, you know, it's it's really kind of kind of kind of exciting to see all the guys that are out there, you know, Kobe Carl's coaching a, a, at the D league and winning championships with the, with the Delaware blue coats of the 76ers organization, as well as, you know, you have CJ Williams, who I, I played with, I didn't play with Kobe, but I played with CJ. He's been uh, the assistant uh, assistant coach and player development director for G league ignite. And if you know, G league ignite is just putting guys into the NBA. So, so all of the all of the things that we learned when we were at Boise State, we we are all teaching the same stuff uh, with the same intensity, with the same passion. And so it's just been it's been really, really kind of cool to see. And, and I'm I'm leaving a million people out. They, those guys just jumped to mind. I mean, obviously, Birdo's at Boise State and and uh, and so on and so forth. But but it's it's really, really kind of like humbling, like that. I, I'm like even friends with some of these guys, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just kind of, it's just kind of, it's just kind of cool. So, and, you know, we all keep in touch and, you know, pick each other's brains and, and uh, you know, we, we just kind of keep it going. And, and not a lot of people kind of look at it from the 30,000 foot view of like what really kind of came, you know, those seeds that were planted, you know, the harvest is coming for that right now. And so it's, it's, it's really been, it's really been kind of cool to see. It's been, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to see for sure. Absolutely, man. CJ Williams too. Like I do remember, uh, watch when I was watching him play, he would wear like long high socks, like the mid, like the yeah. little higher, uh, white socks when he was yeah. playing and stuff. I just, I just little memories, like I said, it's nostalgic. And from the 96 to probably about 2004 era, I mean, like B BD was there. He was one of those point guards that kind of just played at his mm -hmm. own pace. I still play mm -hmm. with him every once in a while when he comes out and competes. I'm like, he's still the same way. He just there, you know, obviously he's older. He's just, he's just going to try to beast you. Like he's, he's a just, point guard. that's just going to just try to bully you. So and he, he just plays at his pace. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. So going back to your college career, just there's quite a few games that were pretty crazy, whether it be at the pavilion or elsewhere. I've got a couple mm -hmm. of my own that were my favorites, but I'm curious mm -hmm. from your perspective, Justin, like what was your favorite game you played in as a, as a Bronco? Oh, I, probably the ESPN game was probably the most fun um, just because it was a, the games at 10 o'clock at night. It was the first time Boise State had ever been on national television uh, aside from the, the national tournament. So it's like a game in in December, January or something. It's non-conference. We're playing against Eastern Michigan. We got Earl Boykins and Derek Dial and they're you know, ranked or whatever. And, uh, uh, you know, Earl Boykins had like a 15 year NBA career and he was awesome. And Derek Dial ended up with with San Antonio. Um, uh, and like I said, the game's at 10 o'clock, you know, we're super excited. And and I just, you know, they Eastern Michigan wasn't ready for the pavilion is really what it was. We weren't sure how it was going to turn out, but that place was super packed. They went crazy for it. And uh, this was also at the time, like. You know, like we, we still it was our it was our first year, like me and Berto and Key and, and those guys, it was our first year getting there. And so, you know, with with us, we when the lights come on, we're always ready. So, you know, like my very, very first play, I I, I catch, you know, I get in the game, like I was coming off the bench, get in the game, drive baseline, dunk it, you know, it was nasty dunk. And then like two plays later, I get like a tip in, and you know, then they're like showing this like little highlight thing on on 
on, you know, during the game and stuff, if, if you watch the tape, uh, like, oh, just lines with this. And I'm just I'm like a, some scrubby guy averaging like two points a game coming off the bench. You know, I was supposed to redshirt that year because we had just, you know, just weird stuff going on with the team. I And and I wanted to redshirt because I, I, I couldn't shoot well enough, but it is what it is. And so I end up and and, you know, I just made my mind up. I don't care what happens. I'm going to go hard and I'm going to bring it and we'll see what happens. And and it was just kind of cool. And then we end up beating them. And there was, there was a moment there where, where I really felt like in the game, I was like, Oh, I, I might have a chance past this. And uh, Earl Boykins ISOs me out on the wing. And this guy is like five foot four or five foot five lightning quick. Nobody in the league could keep him in front. And he's trying to break me down and he just wasn't, he, he wasn't going to get by me. He couldn't get by me. And that's the reason why they brought me to Boise state is because they got this six, seven kid with a 40 something inch vertical that can just lock down point guards. And so that was it. And I was like, man, if I can defend that guy, I, I can keep anybody in front, which ended up not being true, but whatever. <laughs> it's just one of those no, things but- that kind of gave me the confidence. So for sure. Yeah. That was like that, that switch. Like where you're like, ah, I, I belong here and I belong after this too. That's cool, man. Thinking about that. Um, were you part of the Washington game? The the 20 point, I mean, sorry, the you guys down 20 to four. I'm trying to think. Yeah, you would have been. It was, it was on a watch, Deion Luton and stuff. So that was the year I was, uh, that was the year I was hurt. So I didn't, was it? I, didn't okay. I didn't play in, the, I didn't play in that game, but I was, I was there and, uh, and yeah, so. But yeah, we ended up we ended up whooping them. I think they were twelfth in the country or something. And this was this was when Berto was was really starting to like get get recognition for being a really really great player, uh, college player because he was nobody really could stop him from scoring. And then we and then we have then we're playing you know defense. Nobody scoring more than like fifty two points against us. And I, that was like during the time we won like twenty five straight at home or something. And it was just. It was, it was, man, what about what talk about an atmosphere in, in that game too? Because, you know, you got a, a lot of UW fans that are going to make the trip down because they, you know, UW doesn't always have a top program, but when they do, they really get out and support. So you got a bunch of UW fans and they're, you know how it is. And, and, and this is the chip on the shoulder that Boise will always have. And that's why I love it. And that's why I like being back here is, is because it's like they came down here, like basically to come down, watch their, watch UW win, watch the Huskies win, and then just go party downtown or something like that. And we just had other plans. It just wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't going to happen. We were just too mentally tough. And, and then, you know, Berto was on fire. G-Dub played crazy good. Key played crazy good. It was just, it was it was it was a really really fun time. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, it, that's one of my favorite games as a kid that I've ever seen. I mean, there was tons of them back then. I mean, my uncle would take me to all the games, but that was one of my favorites because that was during their. I think it was the year after their run in the tournament uh, yes. when they made it. I mean, they they were good still. I mean, they lost yeah. a couple guys, but they were still yeah, like you said, ranked top fifteen, and they were just amazing. And you guys were getting. They came out swinging. I think it was 20 to four is what you guys were down. You went on a 17, nothing run. It was capped off by a Clint Horderman three in the corner, if I'm not mistaken. It was something weird. And then it, yeah, like, I think you're right. Yeah. Ne- nothing ever. Like I just remember Berto went off. Everybody was just like, that place yeah. was on fire after that. It was yeah. just wild. And I just remember I didn't go pee. My dad, and my uncle were with me. We were driving home. I hadn't peed the entire night and I had to piss so bad. <laughs> and somebody got in a wreck on the freeway. So we got stuck. And I just oh, yeah. like I'm, I literally almost peed my pants as like a fifth or sixth grader. I can't remember how, which, which age, but yeah, 
Anyway, so as uh, as you just look at your your college career, I just want to ask you, Justin. You, you talked about Earl Boykins. You, you t- you're talking about some of the guys you played with um, and played against. Who is the best player you think that you faced as as an opponent? Like like throughout the time that you were there, like who was the best player and what, what made State, it special? Yeah, the the best player I played against uh, opponent wise at Boise State was Kenyon Martin. Uh, Cincinnati came to Boise State. Um, well, he didn't play that great that game, but but he was a national player of the year, first overall pick. They came into, you know, they were number one team in the nation. And, you know, and it, it was what it was. And and he was going to be my assignment. Now, at the time, I was coming off of my ACL surgery. And so I had, they limited my minutes in the, in, in the preseason uh, of, or, non, or the non-conference schedule. So, which I wasn't super happy about, but it was what it was. But so I'm coming off the bench. It's my senior year, and and I'm just watching, and, and I'm and I'm just getting pissed, man. I'm getting pissed off because Kenya Martin he likes to do this, and he I, likes to run his mouth and everything. And they kind of just had that like like that entitlement. I just and and they ended up, they ended up whooping us at, at the end of the day. They had five guys, six guys end up going playing in the NBA, um, you know. And and I was a lone senior. We had no juniors. There was like three sophomores and then a bunch of freshmen. Is, is that was that was that was a team, you know, and so we just weren't we weren't there at the time. Um, but I just was like sitting there fuming. So as soon as I get in, same thing. I'm trying to go right at him, and so we had like a little confrontation, and just I had to let him know we're not backing down. Like I'm not going anywhere. And he only had six points in the game. That what a lot of people miss is he only had six points in the game because I I was definitely going to make sure that he was either going to be in foul trouble or he was, I was just going to shut him down. I just had, I had made my mind up except one of the guys on the team, the six points that he had were like the most spectacular six points you've ever seen in your life. Richard Morgan tries to get a steal. Like they, they try to pass it into Kenny Martin in the post. Richard Morgan goes to steal the basketball. Well, he doesn't get the steal. And it's just Kenyon Martin, who is one of the probably the top athletes ever in the NBA. This dude drop steps and I and I'm coming in help and I'm and I'm rotating over and I'm and I'm up there and I'm like, yeah, and I just do the flyby. <laughs> and I just run down the sideline. So so he cut. He, I'm not you know, I'll I'll take that one. I'll take that one. He Kenyon Martin dunked on me on that one. But I'm blaming Richard Morgan 100 percent. He should never have. He should never have been in that position in the first place. <laughs> oh man, dude, that game was just just seeing it. Cause yeah, you're right. I wanted to say Tim Hayes mentioned something about a yeah, because he got like a lob out of bounds or something too. He only had a couple dunks, but yeah. it was like I thought he got a lob. Yeah, they run a they run a baseline, they run a baseline out of out of bounds play. And and typically our baseline out of bounds uh defense was excellent. Like and is it you know, just we 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 would actually drill that because we how we looked at it like this, and we still look at it like how we coach today, is you have four guys on the on the floor and then one inbounder out of bounds. So how how in the world can can they be successful if it's five versus four? Right? We have we have the numbers, and for some reason we just had a breakdown, and yeah, he just came down the middle and wow. So yeah, <laughs> like spectacular, not like not like just like like super no, I... spectacular, ram it, you know, cog it back the whole thing. So. That's funny though. That Cincinnati game was kind of crazy. That was the same day as humanitarian bowl um, yep. against Louisville. The football team wins. And then 
we ended up having tickets to that and then we went home and then we came back that night. I was kind of already like emotionally drained from the football game. It's right. pretty cold outside and then come back to like watch that. And it was like really exciting at first. And then as it started, like, you know, it was like a 30 point game near the end. I was like, yeah, it was, it was cool though. It's cool though. Like it's cool. You got to play against that's, that's the cool thing about being able to play at that, that level at the D one levels, you might have those opportunities to play against some really cool guys, but yeah. you know, Justin, when, when you transition to the next part of your career, going from college to the professional level. Talk to us about that, what the decision was like and um, what your first year as a professional was really like going out of the college game. Um, okay, so so I so I graduated from from Boise State and then uh, I started I, I, I started going to like little camps and stuff. I went to a camp out, out at Oregon and, and, and played well. Um, went to a couple camps down in Los Angeles, uh, played well, ended up getting an agent who got me into the NBA so well not the NBA, NBA summer league, but they had a, a summer league called the real run. And then they also had uh, the drew league, which the drew league was not what it is today. It was actually, you know, way back in the day. So, so I played in the, in, in those and, and, and I really, and that was about 18 months after, no, I'm not 18 months, about two years after my ACL surgery. And so I was completely healthy. I didn't have any issues. I was all the way back. All of my balance was back. All of my speed was back and more. Um, I was a lot stronger and I had taken that time while I was off to really, really kind of sharpen up my skills. And then after I got done at Boise state, I mean, we, we, our last game was Utah state. We lost, I think that was on a Saturday on Monday. I started back in the gym with coach Boyce and I got to work. I started working uh, all my pick and roll reads. I started running like everything. So I get down to, uh, to, to LA to play in the real run and I'm on a free agent team. Joe Wyatt was one of my teammates. So that was good. We, we could kind of like help each other out a little bit. And, uh, but we just had guys on the team, like during, during this stuff that just really couldn't handle the ball. And so now I'm just basically playing point guard and I'm, you know, playing down there in the real run I'm like averaging like 25 points a game I'm, I'm playing really really well um and, and we were playing against like NBA veterans so like the NBA summer league like like it is today is going to be rookies second year players well the veterans they still like to they still like to play too and and so but they want to play in leagues and so we uh we would play we would play against teams that had like David Wesley Baron Davis uh uh Antonio Harvey Corey Benjamin uh, but the 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 day the day I knew that that I could get a check to play basketball, well, I played against Paul Pierce, and this was Paul Pierce's third. Like he was going into his like third or fourth year in the in the league, and we actually one of our one of our teammates at Boise State, uh, Reggie Price, he was there kind of short term. Um, he played with Paul at Inglewood High School uh, down in L.A., and so we kind of had like that little connection because you just when you in the summertime you go down to L.A. playing the Sano Classic or whatever. And so you just, we're just hoopers and we just, you know, we're going to compete, but then we also hang out and stuff. So, so Paul Pierce is, is playing. And it's funny because he, he pulls up and he's got this like custom Mercedes, like two door. He's got the, you know, and uh, where he can actually fit. And me and Joe are pulling up in Joe's, Joe's uh, uh, Ultima, this, this like maroon Ultima. It's all beat down. He brought it from college, you know. And so we get out and we're like, hey, Paul, what's up? Da, da, da. And we're like, hey, man, you know, if, if we beat you, can we get the keys? You know, we'll, we'll switch pink slips. And, and he's just started laughing. And so we go to 
we go and play them. And after the game, I got so many compliments on how well I played my defense, how, how well I guarded Paul Pierce. And he had 49 points and probably 47 of them were on me. Like, but I'm talking about like, and I played awesome defense <laughs> at that point. I understood like the difference between where I was at and what these guys are doing. You know what I mean? Because it was just, it, that was a whole other level. Now everybody knows what happened with Paul Pierce, his career and everything. He was he's a hall of famer, top player ever. So, you know, one, one of those type of guys, but I was like, man, I'm doing everything I can. I'm playing awesome. I still have like almost 30 points that he wasn't really there to play defense. So it kind of made me look good a little bit too, but he just, he just killed me. And I was like, I can't do anything about it. And like, if anybody else was going to guard him, it was going to be even easier. So I just stuck, I stuck on, you know, I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't just going to, I wasn't just going to quit. You know what I mean? I wasn't just, just cause he's lighting me up. I'm still doing everything right. He is just on fire. It's just, that's just what it is. Like you, like, like even in football, you call the perfect defense, like tech mobile, right? <laughs> tech mobile. You call the right play, but then you still can like hit Jerry Rice or Bo Jackson can get around, right? It, it, it didn't matter what I did. He was still going to, he was still going to hit those shots. And so, you know, I was like, dang, I, I think I, I know that I can guard on the next level. It's just, man, these guys just have this level of confidence that it's just unbelievable. They just, you know, they just, they just know, they just, they just know, like, there's nothing this guy can do that's going to stop me. And he was at, he was at that point in, in his career and he tore me apart, but it was still a lot of fun. We had a team. We we ended we ended up beating Baron Davis's team, which was awesome. Uh, you know, in the in the playoffs, and it, the crowd was going crazy because the, the the games were in Carson, California, where the Clippers used to have their practice facility. And so we would, you know, we would all we would go play, hate each other, play, and then and then we'd go hang out at night. You know, we're you know at, you know coming out of college and young and having fun and a couple bucks in our pocket in L.A. It's, you know, we're having a good time. So, but it was, it was, it was an awesome, awesome experience for sure. That's awesome, man. That's like, it's cool to hear like your moments of aha, like I can get to the D one level. I can play at the next level for college or whatever. Then it's like, then I can play at the professional level. And now you're seeing like, now I really can get paid like to play because you, you have those moments and you start to realize like the levels you aren't quite there yet, but you are there like enough to be able to get there. Right. You see the potential of what you have. And it's cool to see that in the different aspects of your life. Um, and I would like to say for those who are listening to this, maybe there's some young athletes listening to this. If you guys know Justin and maybe you're, you're training them or something, Baron Davis, people will look back. They don't understand how good and explosive he was. So before his knee injury, he was, he was unbelievable. He was Derek Rose. So for, he was Derek Rose, but in my opinion, better. You never want to hear anything, but BD was just, he was super, super solid, super solid. And, and he was, he was that, you know, the kids like to say he's a dog. No, no, no. Baron was a dog. Baron was a dog. I'll tell you a quick story in that same league. We're coming down on the break. Joe Wyatt throws it off the glass to me. And Baron is the only one back. So he hedges at Joe. He knows that like, I'm going to get the ball. So he hedges at Joe. And then he comes back to get in front of me, but he's like, my knees are in his face. Like he's just, I'm just like up, bam, off the glass, dunk it. Everybody's going crazy in the gym. Everybody's going crazy. Cause there's like, 
NBA guys in there and, you know, like, and I'm really trying to like prove myself and I'm going against guys, you know, from Duke and, 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 and North Carolina, these guys are still in this league and stuff and maybe not in the NBA, but these guys are like rook there. It's their rookie year. They're trying to get, you know, some kind of exposure. And so I'm really fighting for everything I can get. And so I'm like, this is like the one, like, Oh, this is an awesome play. The very next time down, he dribbles the ball over to this, to the side. He calls for a pick and roll. He goes to use the screen. Now I'm guarding the guy at the top of the key. I'm not even guarding him or I'm not even in, included in the play. I'm at the top of the key and, and he turns the screen down, goes baseline and, and does a leaner, like a nasty, nasty leaner on our big guy who is like 6'11 and dunks it on him just nasty and then sprints to me and pushes me and is like, that's on you. And I was like, what? That wasn't on me. What are you talking about? Now we had a, like a little bit of a relationship because with Kiwan and, you know, and, and him playing high school ball together. So we were friendly, but like I caught him and I was like, oh yeah, like, man, I, I if there was some social media back in the day, that would have, that would have been ugly, ugly, ugly. But then the very next play, he just comes and just does that. Like, it's like, he's like, okay, well, here you go. He, he could turn it on at any point, any, any point. And the way that he dunked on the way that he dunked on that, the, our guy is the same exact way that he dunked on AK-47 uh, against the Jazz. Dead. I mean, just, just like that. Now, that being said, at the time when I'd guard him, we would stand inside the the, the high school three line because, you know, we'd have to shoot at the NBA three line. And he would be back there and we'd, and we'd just stand back there, shoot it, B, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. And he would just brick, 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 brick <laughs> until it was time for him to go. Then he would just then he would just turn it up. So. So it's, it was, it, it was, he was he was sick. Baron Davis, the, excellent player. The comparison of Derrick Rose is like perfect because like yeah, because he, he wasn't the best jump shooter, but like I remember in his professional career though he could get going, uh, but he wasn't oh, yeah, the most yeah, yeah. consistent. Derrick Rose the same way; he never developed a jumper. Like that's just kind of how it was. And um, but BD was like, oh my gosh, and Kirilenko is. I'm a Jazz fan, so like that was the year. So. Baron Davis had two different eras in the NBA, in my opinion, like two stints of where he was like explosive. It was with the like the Hornets when he was like, yep, so. then he blows his knee out. He comes back and he was kind of quiet, you know, for a little while. Mm -hmm. But then that run with the Warriors, mm -hmm. that was nasty, dude. And I went yeah. to the closeout game in the playoffs that year when that was the same series that he's dunked on Karolinko. We went to the, the next game, which was the closeout game in, in Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. We got to see them play. He was nasty. And then the Clippers, he actually was pretty productive with them, you yeah. know, with, with yeah. Blake Griffin and whatnot. So like, he had a couple different sense. I just, I just hope people that listen to this that might know you from the coaching side of things, but they're a younger generation can understand. Like, dude, that guy was filthy, and that's no, cool he to was. hear those stories. He, he was, you he know, was, and 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 the you know the story was is he was dunking it, dunking it in the sixth grade, and he wasn't tall like that. You know, he wasn't. He was just just a sick athlete, just a sick sick athlete. So he's explosive. <laughs> like that, that doesn't surprise me because he was he just had springs, dude, and he was like strong. Mm -hmm. He would like hammer down so i wouldn't be surprised at all that's wild you know justin what what was your first professional uh contract were you playing with the stampede yet like in the cb what, what were you overseas well, what was the first professional experience for you when you actually got paid so so it it, it took some steps but it, and it's actually a pretty interesting story so uh brian gates who was a boise state mm -hmm. alum and he was a coach for the stampede and won championships with birdo and randy and the and those guys well, back in the day, like my la my last year, like he started like video as assistant coach and video coordinator with the Stampede before while I was at, at Boise State, and 
he ends up my last year, he ends up getting this, this uh, coaching job in the USBL in Enid, Oklahoma. And so I'm like, okay, I get a call from Kiwan and he's like, Hey man, congratulations. And I'm like, what? And he's like, you got drafted into the USBL. Like you didn't hear. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Drafting the USBL. Now, mind you, this is like the internet is, we're just trying to figure out the internet. So I'm like, okay, well, let me go look this up. So I call, so I look it up and I'm like, yeah, you know, Doug Gottlieb was the number one pick that he played at Oklahoma State and, and he played and he went to the final four with big country Reeves and, and all those guys. So he's the number one pick. And I'm like seventh round. So I call up B Gates and I'm like, hey, uh, I see that I'm drafted. Like, do I need to like when do I go? And like, what's up? And he's like, he's like, honestly, Jay, I, I just I, I drafted you just to kind of get your name out there because I love you and, and I love how you play and stuff like that. But he wasn't sold on me as a player. Now, this was before I went to L.A. for all this for all the summer league stuff. And I said, hey, you know what? I appreciate it. Thank you for being honest. It's, it, it's all good. So I have my I have the summer that I have. And then and then uh, B. Gates calls me up again and he's like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm coaching this team with Maury Hanks. And if, if anybody in the basketball world, anybody in the basketball world knows who Maury is, he was like like at this time, he was like an agent out of Las Vegas and and he would put these teams together to go play get the preseason games against all the division one schools like you know Stanford or Auburn Alabama whoever like you know they would just they would just do that so so B Gates calls me up hey listen I, I want you to come and try out for this team it, the try the training camp is in Vegas and if you make it we're gonna we're gonna end up going all over the country playing preseason games I'm like, okay so that was my actually my first professional contract. I, you know, we we had to play like 20 games in 30 days. It was it was insane. And so like during the during the tryout, uh, you know, there's there's guys there that that were pretty good and guys that I ended up playing with pro, when I was with the Stampede. So a guy named uh, Sharif Fajardo, he's uh, he played at UTEP. Um, and he actually played on, on the Puerto Rican national team and he's out of New York and, and crazy story. We have the same exact birthday. We were born literally like two miles from each other. I was born in Brooklyn he's born in, in Manhattan. Wow. So, yeah. So, so, so I'm on the team and, and B Gates is like, Hey man, I didn't think that you were this good. You must've really worked on your shot. And I'm like, man, I've been like on it. Cause like, when I was in LA, I, all I did was basketball. I would be at UCLA for, for draft workouts with Kiki Vandaway. I was, I was down in Carson doing stuff. I'd go to San Diego and I'm, I'm trying to get as much work in as, as possible playing against guys and then also getting my own stuff up. So I really kind of like worked hard to get, to get myself in that position. And he's like, Hey, listen, we want you to play and you're going to play for me. And I was like, okay, cool. So we go around playing all these teams and stuff. And, and there's some games where it's like, we're great. Some games where it's not or whatever. And, and at the end of it, uh, he's like, Hey, thanks, whatever, whatever we want to, we want to bring you, we want to bring you to the stampede training camp because he was going to be the assistant for Rory white. We want to bring you to the training camp. And I said, okay, cool. Like, of course, like, why would, of course I would go to the Idaho stampede. Are you kidding? That'd be, that'd be great. He's like, but here's the thing. We're going to have like eight rookies and, and we can only keep two rookies. And so, you know, we had, we had guys that were drafted like second round draft picks and, and stuff like that, trying out. And, and I don't, I don't know all the business at that point. I didn't know all the business side of it. Um, but uh, uh, I end up, 
I ended up making the team. You know, I, I, now that being said, I had people on my side that wanted me to make the team like players that were, were, they, they were like, Birdo was on the team, right? Uh, Randy Livingston was on the team. Uh, Darren McClinton was on the team and those guys, because they appreciated my effort and my energy and my, you know, just kind of how I, how I played, they, you know, they, they really were kind of pressing like, Hey, you got to get this kid a shot, give this kid a shot. Don't, you know, don't, don't think Duke, don't think Syracuse, you know, think about the player. And so they really, they really kind of had my back on that. And, and for, for that, I'm always going to appreciate them to loyal to those guys for sure. Um, so I make the team and then, uh, you know, we play, we have, I'm, I'm playing behind the guy who's going to be the MVP of the league, Willie Burton, crazy Willie. There's, there's some stuff there too, like crazy Willie, man, let me tell you. But uh, that's at the time uh, Isaiah Thomas owned the league. Um, and, uh, you know, I know that there's been a story out there about about Isaiah Thomas and how the NBA screwed him over. And he's putting this crap out there. But he was he was mortgaging houses and properties and stuff like that just to make payroll for us. And so then the league folded halfway through. And uh, and then I'm like stuck because it's like. I was playing, but I really didn't have an opportunity to to produce like that because I'm playing behind the guy who's going to be the league MVP. You know, he's just what it is. You know, I, I'm he's playing 40 minutes a game and I'm getting like six, seven, eight minutes a game. And so I didn't really have the opportunity, but that was, you know, I was I was OK with that because I still was getting all the all the the reps in practice and I was still doing all of those things. I've always thought my job, you know, everybody's job should be to push whoever's above you, you push them out of their spot. Like you, you help them to get up out of there so that you can like fill, fill up their spot. And that's what I was trying to do with Willie. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make him better in practice. I'm going to make him better in practice so that hopefully he gets called up. Yeah. So that I can play, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's where my mind was at, but it ended up not happening. So then after that, um, you know, my agent was, you know, poking around, so on and so forth. And then and then uh, uh, I ended up uh, going, going overseas at that point. But my, my first contract was was with Brian Gates and Maury Hanks, you know, getting and I think I think I was getting. Uh, I don't know, it was like probably like 500 bucks a week, which was awesome for me, because when I was at Boise State, our scholarship checks were 380 bucks a month for you had to pay for everything and. You know, it's not like we were getting like a hundred dollar handshake. So it was, it was, it was like 500 a week. Heck yeah. That sounds really, really good to me, you know? And uh, uh, so, you know, once, once we kind of got through it there, I mean, there was even some games we played at Creighton uh, in one of those games and Kyle Corver was on the team and Dana Altman was the coach. Well, Maury is there and, and Maury, Maury, Maury would show up to some games and, and help coach because, uh, because his business was he was getting paid from these schools to come and do these these uh, these preseason games. So. So he 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 would he would like, you know, like like incentivize us. Hey, listen, we want to try to get them on a three year contract. So let's just you know, let's just lose by like 10, 12 points. Now, again, we are all guys that played professionally at, on yeah. at some level. I mean, even James Cotton was on the team and he was played for the bulls and the sonics and everybody else so so we're like you know we're down by like 15 points like at halftime or whatever it is and as we're kind of crossing 
uh, Altman tells Maury, he's like, I thought you guys were going to give us a better test than this. Maury, we'd get into the, to the halftime. Maury freaks out, is so mad that like he, because in, in Maury's mind, he's like, we're, we're doing this intentionally so that we can get it. Yeah. He, he freaks out on us and he's like, you guys got to blow him out. And that, he starts freaking out. And if, if we, if we come back and win this game, I'm going to give everybody a $500 bonus. And we're like, no problem. So, yeah. so we go out and we get it to, we end up getting into overtime. We end up winning. And sad to say, uh, Maury was over there just going at Allman. Like, Oh, you, you, this is, this is, this is what it actually looks like. You got a little, you basically talking a lot of trash. Your 18 year old kid has, has stands no chance against my 24 year old. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like it was just, so it was just one of those crazy moments where like, cause I'm used to like being coached at Boise state and there's structure and everything else. And this guy is just like trash talking the other coaches. <laughs> <What's going on? laughs> you know what I mean? So it was, it was, it was, it was pretty cool, but yeah, that was, that was my, that was, yeah, I think 500 bucks a week is what it was. And, but then like, you know, he would incentivize, hey, if you guys, if you guys can like keep it within five, but lose, well, I'll give you guys all extra 150 bucks or something like that. It's like, you know, it's just like little crumbs and stuff to him. But for us, we're, it would get us all excited. And, and, and we also didn't, we, it's not like we wanted to lose these games. You know, we just, you know, it's just what it was. It's just, the, it's just the business side of it. So, and Maury had, had, mouse to feed just like everybody else so you gotta do totally what you so interesting man it's it's interesting to see your path though justin because like the outside looking in if i did if you don't know you which i don't know you personally i would never have known that story you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's what i love about doing the show is just getting to know you and kind of know the story behind it all of like there's a path and sometimes it's a grind um was there ever a time in your professional career though like trying to get to your professional career where you're like you know what Maybe let's wrap it up and try to do something else. Did you ever go through that mental battle of like, man, I don't know if I can make it here or not because there's you're trying to find the opportunity, or did you just keep going and going and going? I just, I, 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 I went. I basically went until my body failed me. To be honest with you, you know, I, I, you know, to rewind the story a little bit, that that growth spurt that I had in two months, that that's probably what what shortened up my career is just because my. I've, I've, since then I've had like five knee surgeries and, nice. and you know, like everything else. And, uh, you know, the, and st- st- the doctors are like, you're, you have defects in your knees. It's just what it is. You just, for whatever reason, your, your knees are just not what, you know, they're just, they're just not normal and they just grew funny and it is what it is. So I was always going to have issues with my knees. Obviously nobody wants us to be tearing that stuff, but, but that was pretty much it. You know what I mean? But even after, I got done, you know, playing seriously. I would, I would, I would still play and just gut it out and smash 10, 200 milligram Advils. And cause I just love playing basketball and all of my buddies were still playing and, you know, we don't do anything but hang out and talk basketball or play basketball. So, you know, I was just, I, you know, whenever it was the off season, I would be hanging out with them and trying to get my knees right. And just, just, try to get to the open gyms and just have a lot of fun with them. And, and, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'll never get away from basketball. Probably I ever. love it. I love that, man. And, you know, I know we're, we're getting towards the end of the interview, but I wanted to ask you in your professional career, same question I asked you before, like, who, but it doesn't necessarily have to be something you played against, but throughout, whether it be overseas, whether it be here in the U S like, was there a player that stood out to you and what was the big, like, what was the biggest thing that stood out 
to you about them that you were with, that you were alongside, that taught you something, whether it be good or bad? Um, well, I mean, to, to be honest with you, um, I would probably have to say Berto, man. You know, like Berto has, has done a lot for me, you know, as far as helping me out, you know, when the stampede, when the stampede had an opening as a coach back in like 2008, nine or something like that, you know, he reached out to me and said, Hey, listen, what, what do you got going on? Cause there's an opening for a coach. Um, I'm going to be playing, uh, you know, what do you, what do you think? And I was like, I'll jump all over it. Cause at the, at the time I had, you know, I, I would always have my own business. I never really worked for anybody. So, so I, the, the, I had that type of flexibility and I could just put some of my stuff on hold. And so, uh, so I said, yeah. And so he's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put your, I'll, you know, I'll put your name in. We'll see what happens. I can't guarantee it or anything, but, but he really created that opportunity for me. And so, so my, as, as a, as a player, there's a, you know, you, you play and you're competing against these guys and yeah, you're growing a network, but you're really still, like we're fighting for the same job, you know, like if like me and Berto would have to compete for the same job. Now he was up here and I wasn't at that level, but, but that's just kind of how it is now as coaches, there's that competition too, but it's, it's really more of like kind of a, a networking, like kind of like, like help each other type of thing, because when you get done playing, you understand, then you kind of, the, 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 it kind of clicks where it's like, man, this, this basketball thing is, is not what I thought it was. This is actually it's a, it's a, it's more special than I thought it was as a player, and so so when you're when you have people in your life that will try to help you in that way, it just opens up a lot of doors. And so from from me getting that job <clears throat> with the with a stampede, and we had enormous success in the in the first five weeks of the season, or yeah, five or six weeks of the season, we had, we already had like five call-ups, you know, and I'm in the gym every day with these guys working and working and before the games and, 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 you know, doing the player development stuff with these guys. And these guys are already good. You know what I mean? Like they just were just kind of waiting on their time, I guess, but doing that, it really opened up a lot of door, a lot of doors for me. And so we had the, they, they had the D league like Jamboree or whatever it was where all the NBA teams came to Boise and stuff like that. And so, at, it was kind of like a, a perfect storm where I got to meet everybody and all the coaches, all the coaches had, we had like a five o'clock hoop game, you know, uh, assistant coaches, we play, play at five o'clock in the morning during that, you know, down at uh, the B of A, so they called the B of A center back then. I don't even know what they're calling it now, but, but, uh, yeah, Central, what? Mm, isn't that what it is? I think so. Yeah. Something like that. Whatever it is downtown. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's what's crazy is I've been there like three times. So the, in, in the last like <laughs> 10 months. Um, but yeah, so it, it really kind of opened up the doors, you know, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're coaching against them, it's, you know, it's whatever. And you go to these functions at night and everything, it's whatever, but, but you get to hooping with these guys and, you know, Darvin Ham was one of those guys. And, 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 and Nick nurse was one of those guys. And, 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 uh, uh, you know, just even even your boy that used to coach the jazz, uh, Snyder, Quinn Snyder, he was one he was one he was one of those guys in hooping because he was, he was coaching at the same time. And all these guys that you have this network with, they've all they've all kind of elevated. Now, some, we, you know, 
people go different paths and stuff like that. And and I really kind of stuck with the player development part of it because I just I love I love that stuff. Um, but it's it's just kind of it's just kind of interesting. And so out of that came an opportunity for me to coach with the Spurs, you know, and they 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 interviewed me three times and and and, you know, I had dinner with them in Malibu on Easter Sunday. You know, it's like it was crazy. Like I'm sitting here with with pop, you know, and as I walk into the hotel, they're at shutters in Santa Monica and, and Richard Jefferson walks off the elevator. Now, Richard Jefferson and I played AAU ball together. Like he was an eighth grader and I was a, and I was a senior and he went to, he was at Moon Valley and I, I graduated from high school in Tucson, Arizona, but we played on the same team. And he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm interviewing for a job. And, and, and he goes right to, Chad, who was the assistant at the time that was set, you know, basically doing all the interviewing. He's like, give him the job, give him the job. And I was like, and inside, I'm like, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thank God, someone, (laughs) right? Um, But I already kind of had like some ends with the Spurs anyways, because one of our our, uh, GAs, uh, Mark Folsom, was like best friends with Chad Forcier, who is a jazz assistant now. as a matter of fact, and I've actually had a chance to speak with him since because I'm trying to get some games this year. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so, uh, so they and they, and they and they offered they offered me the they offered me a position of player development. And I and I had a chance to meet everybody. And and the one thing that they say and they key, they continue to say, and this is something that I have had to uh, implement into into how I coach. Um, even though it doesn't seem like that's how I am when I coach, but they, they always say, they said, are you over yourself? That's, that's, that's how they, are you over yourself? Cause they, cause they, they were still like kind of weirdly nervous. Like, are you, are you only doing this so that you can try to play? Because at the, at the time, you know, I was, I was, I couldn't play, I couldn't play a season or whatever, but I was still really, really you know when we get a guy called up i was the one that would have to practice so i'm going against these guys and some of the guys on the team i was i was better than but i'm coaching them and so that was one of the 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 concerns that they had and that's why they interviewed me three times so they interviewed me uh uh in la and then also when they were playing the suns in in the playoffs that year i had a chance to interview them They, they offered me the position with one caveat that caveat was is if a former player wants to come back and coach, Pop is going to give them the job first. So it's yours until someone raises their hand. And uh, uh, so I was with the Spurs that summer, pre-draft stuff and and, and, and doing all that. And and uh, they call me. We're supposed to start like rookie mini camp, like the first week of August. They call me right around now. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. It was like 13 years ago or something like that. But they call me, hey, Jock Vaughn wants to come and coach. So, you know, sorry. And it was kind of at that time when I had some other business stuff going on. Uh, and it was it was just one of those things that they gave it to him the very next year. He's a coach at Orlando as a head coach, was there for a couple of years and moved on. And in my mind, I'm like, that could have been me. But my my path is different. And for some reason, it's just that's just what it is. And that's that's why I'm here right now It's just I chose one way and, and, and just stuff worked out, the, worked out the other way. And I don't regret anything. No, that's super cool. And you know what's interesting is I remember Jacques Vaughn going over there because he played for the Jazz back in the day. He was a yeah. third-string point guard, actually, at the time in the rotation, but he could get in. And I just remember kind of watching his progression when he got into the coaching sphere, and I remember him going to San Antonio. I did not know 
at all that had any impact on you. It's kind of like when I interviewed Birdo on this show, Justin, I remember him talking about, you know, like, you know, Pippen going to the Blazers and like, there was a lot that kind of happened behind the yes. scenes that shifted the rotations over there. Yeah. I had no idea that that was what impacted him. I, I, uh, the things that you don't know, that's why I love doing the show. I just get to interview you and get to know you a little bit better. I would have never known, never would have even questioned that, that it had any impact on you whatsoever. But Jacques Vaughn going over to San Antonio to start kind of like in that coaching sphere. Yeah. Uh, now he's the Brooklyn Nets head coach. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's just kind of, a, it's just kind of one of those, one of those cool things. It's like, you know, like just like those weird basketball connections that happens, you know, like even when, when Berto was with Milwaukee, you know, no, no NBA team ever is going to keep five point guards, but for whatever reason, coach Carl decided we're going to keep five point guards this year. And so it's like Michael red Ray Allen, and it should have been Berto, but then they kept like Ray for Alston and whoever else, you know what I mean? That has point guards instead. So it's just skip my Lou. Yes. Yeah, my Lou is Idaho stampede alum as well. So that's right. She could, she could talk to him a little bit too. I mean, dang, dude, you got a lot of connections. What crazy stories too, man. And to wrap it up, I just want to know, like now you're, I think it's cool that it, that it happened though, because now you're here in the Valley, you're helping out player development's a big thing of yours. That's been a passion of yours, obviously mm -hmm. from the professional days. And now you're here with game time. Is it game time basketball Academy or game time Academy? So it's, 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 how, how game time started, it was years ago, uh, it was game time sports and everybody probably knows game time sports. They make the uniforms and stuff for a lot of the schools around here and, and, and so on and so forth. And then it just kind of those, those relationships built, started into, they started with baseball, right? And so they, they've had an excellent baseball program. And so instead of game time sports is the clothing game time Academy is the sport, like the actual club stuff. So they started with baseball, then then they then they had volleyball, and then uh, when Hoop Dreams um, dissolved in 2021, you know basically everybody around town just started you know grabbing kids and started doing their own thing, and part of that was like there were some kids that were that that uh, Shambrick Williams was coaching, um, like in third fourth grade, and he was just at that time it was just the team that he was coaching so he was like well i'm just going to keep going so he's taking these kids and now now they're going into high school and so uh you know as i as i came back you know sham asked me to come and help out at a couple practices and he knows me i can't i can't like stay away from the gym so so i start helping him and it just it turned into what it is now and so so it's it's actually been a really, really awesome experience. I've, I've had, I've had a chance to, to coach uh, girls before, but very, very briefly. Um, and uh, it's always been the men, the men. And, and, you know, like while I was in, while I was in Florida, I, you know, that's all I was doing was like, you know, player development stuff and, and, but coming back here now I'm actually, you know, hel helping with it. And it's just, it's just been, honestly, it's really been a blessing because I've never really seen a group. I don't know what they put in the water like 15, 16 years ago or whatever, you know, 14 years ago to, you know, 10 years ago, but whatever they put in the water, because these girls out here are tough. These girls out here work and these girls out here, they love the game, man. And, and, and it's really kind of a really cool thing to see. And, uh, you know, like as even, even the girls that are kind of, like uh, excelling kind of at the top at the top of their games out here now they all started with hoop dreams they all started with, with shambrick and it's just kind of the, it's the curriculum that, that we have that all of us use cj with g league unite you know maybe not kobe so much because uh you know 
he has his dad, a Hall of Fame coach, like I would probably listen to him too. So, um, but we all kind of teach the same thing and we, we, we all kind of go about it the same way and we teach the same way too. And it's just like really, really kind of been successful. And, and it's just really kind of been a blessing that, that, that my, my career in basketball is kind of coming full circle. I'm back, I'm, I'm back in Boise with, you know, Berto who, you know, anybody, if you, if you, if you ask anybody, we're basically, you know, family, we're brothers, we're super tight, you know, and, and then with Shambrick also, you know, uh, me and me and Sham's relationship that when I was at Boise State, it started off a little rocky, <laughs> it was a little, little rough, but, you know, but we're all family now. And so, and so now we're back and, 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 and we all have the same voice and it's just kind of really, really, it's really kind of a beautiful thing to see because all of these girls that, that, that they come, they come through this program, they're, they're going to go on and do really, really great things. And, and it's really, it, we have, we put the curriculum in front of them and the way that we teach them, but they have to be there to do it. Like they have to be there. They have to put in the work to actually do this and to, to, to develop and get better and, 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 and grow. And they do it. You know, we have, we have, we have girls, you know, at six o'clock in the morning, let's go. We got, you know, sun, Sunday, six o'clock in the morning, let's go. Nine o'clock at night, let's go. And they're, and they're hungry for it. And, and, and they're really, really improving. And we've, and, and we've, you know, Shambrick has really done an excellent job uh, putting all all of, all, all of this together and just kind of keeping the hoop dreams things going because at the at the end of the day that we're just an extension of that you know the hoop, hoop dreams you can call it a basketball club but really it's it's more of an idea of how to play basketball it's more of an idea of, of playing the right way it's more it's it's more it's 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 a little bit more than oh we're just a basketball club and, and we go and you know whoop everybody or whatever it's it's more about it's more about uh, uh, the follow the philosophy you know, what we believe in as far as, as far as putting in that type of work and, and, and the skill and stuff like that. And, and it just so happens that Shambrick has kind of like got these kids to this, this point and they're just going to take off. I mean, they're just going to take off. We have, you know, we have multiple girls right now that haven't even hit high school that, that, you know, that power five schools are looking at them. And so it's just, it's, it's really, really kind of a cool thing. And, and uh, it's it's also a blessing to work back with Sham because he's done this for so long, and and he has all you know all, all of the kids he's ever gotten recruited. It's not like he lost those coaches' phone numbers, and so you know we're we're grinding for the kids too, trying to trying to get get them get them out there. And it's just we couldn't do that unless these girls did it, and the families have that the level of commitment, and I, and there is a financial commitment associated with it. But it's mostly the time, like driving. You know, we got kid, we got kids that got to drive over an hour to come to practice, and they come yeah. every single day. You know, and and they show up and they show out, and and some of them haven't really hit the switch yet, but they're all going to. They're all going to because it, it just they have they have they just have that 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 type of heart and determination, and it's really really cool to see. I've I, I don't think I've ever seen. I've I've been. You know, typically, if you get two or three kids on a team that have that type of mindset, you're you're going to be hard to beat wherever you go to play. And, and yeah. it just so happens we got like 16 of them. You know what I mean? They're all they're all there every day, grinding, flipping tires, holding, you know, doing 
chain squats and 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 plyos and, and you know on the gun getting 500 a day and you know it's just it's just really really cool and <clears throat> as a as as someone who loves the game of basketball and got everything in their life from basketball you can kind of see like man they're going to have those same opportunities and more they're going to have more opportunities, especially, especially in the women's game. There's, there's so many, there, you know, there's, that is kind of probably where it's going to, there's going to be the next bloom when it comes to basketball is, right. Is, is the women's side. You already kind of see it here in Boise. I didn't realize it until I got back, you know, until I came back uh, last year, but, but it's really, really, it's a, it's a really exciting time for these kids, the journey, the next four five, six years with some of these girls, seven years, this 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 ride that we're going to take, I mean, and the, the families have, with the buy in and, and everything else, because we're going to ask their, we're going to ask their kids to do. We're going to ask a lot of them. We're going to, you know, and if whether they do it or not is going to be up to them. But if they do do it, like we, it takes more than just the kid. I want it like the family ha- is going to is going to have yeah. the buy in and so on and so forth. And so when you when you have that and we do have that, it's really, really it's really, really exciting because you, you know, you just, the kids sometimes don't see it, but we can, we can kind of see the progression and stuff. And it's just, it's really exciting time. Man, there's no one better for it though, is that you got to have the leadership there. That's what you are. You're a leader. And it's cool to hear the story and just see the progression of leadership throughout your life, whether it be a player as a coach, whatever, you're the right guy for the job. And that's, it's a team effort with Sham and all them, you know, like it's, it's awesome though, to see what you guys have put together. I'm looking forward to seeing the growth of it. And I'm looking forward to kind of continuing on building this, you know, friendship with you as well, Justin. It's just cool Absolutely. for me. I, I just want to say thank you for joining the show today, being willing to share your story. Um, yes. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting this out to the, to the rest of the listeners, but just thanks for joining me, man. And being willing to do this. And I like, yeah, I can't, I can't say thank you enough, but uh, we'll be in contact later on absolutely as well, right? it's, it's been a, it's been a pleasure i've been i've been uh I've, I've been excited to to join you you know for we we talked about this a couple months ago yeah and i'm just i'm just thankful i'm super happy for for you you're 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 doing a great job with the podcast but also doing a great job with the coaching you know i see you i see you out there grinding with those kids and stuff uh uh with with i don't you know the premier team um you know like we practice and then you guys are right after us you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean so so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a cool thing, man. And and you know I think that 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 for 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 Boise, especially you know Idaho in general, for for us to to get up to Seattle, to for us to get you know Bay Area type type of recognition and reputation is when it comes to basketball, it's going to take all of us helping each other. And and so you know I'm, I just look forward to just continuing on you know growing the relationship and then helping helping everybody where the where we can. Um, and then, uh, and then just, and, and if we can't help, we just got to support and that's just what it is. So I'm, I'm excited to, uh, and thankful that I was able to come on here and, you know, tell a couple stories. I got, I got, I'm the story guy. Like everybody will tell you I'm the story guy. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, uh, anytime we can do this again. So, you know, it's definitely been a pleasure, man. Definitely been a pleasure. I appreciate you, brother. And for all those who are listening, make sure you guys leave us a review. Let us know what you thought about, you know, Justin's stories that he shared. And um, you guys know the drill. Subscribe to the show because we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.